Hi, I'm Andrew, and this is Keen on Democracy. A chill is enveloping the world. Everywhere I go these days, the conversation is the same. Everyone is fearful about the fate of democracy in our digital age. The same worried question is on all of our lips. What or who is killing democracy? Everybody wants to know. There's certainly no lack of suspects. Trump, Putin's trolls, Mark Zuckerberg, authoritarian populism, the wall, Victor Urban, fake news, Brexit, Bolsonaro, surveillance capitalism, Erdogan, Twitter, or last but certainly not least, the president of the People's Republic of China, Xi Jinping. So what's up with democracy these days? Is it really dying? Or is it simply shedding its industrial analog skin and updating itself for our networked digital age? That's the subject of this podcast series. This is a show featuring conversations about the most important issue of our age with some of the world's most incisive thinkers. I hope it both provokes and enlightens. Bhaskar Sankara, the uh, founder and editor of Jacobin magazine. Bhaskar, uh, Jacobin magazine has been uh, surprisingly popular. I don't know how much it surprised you, but it surprised many other people. With, its, with the popularity of its critique of capitalism. Before you get to the critique, though, what is capitalism? Well, capitalism is a system in which society is divided between those who control the means of production and those who have to work for a living. And the people who control the means of production aren't fully in control because they, in fact, are just producing commodities uh, for a market, for the market, for market exchange. And that's, you know, in a simple kind of uh, not judgmental description. That's what capitalism is. The so, accumulation of surplus from the people who work and uh, you know, creating commodities and selling those commodities in the market. What about someone like myself who's self-employed? Where do we fit into that? Well, I think there are, within the capital structure, there is intermediary structures. There's people who uh, have ownership over their livelihoods, but don't have full control. So there's people who are basically artisans or people who are uh, managers or people who are, um, you know, I myself are probably in the same category as, as, as you. Is your critique of capitalism that it is by definition as an economic system exploitative, unjust? Yes, I think by definition, capitalism is exploitative. Uh, in that it gives people, uh, it brings people together uh, in the sphere of production, but it brings them together on unequal terms. So me and you might might enter into an employment contract, but I will always need my grocery money more than you need my individual contribution to the labor process. We might decide that that exploitation, that that relationship is in fact an acceptable exploitation. We as a society have decided that, for example, chattel slavery is an unacceptable form of exploitation. I would want people to agree that wage labor is a form of exploitation, then we can debate whether or not it's accept acceptable and whether it just needs to be regulated more and controlled uh, more. Very briefly, in a minute, a potted history of capitalism. It seems for a time as if most people accepted it worked, that it was maybe not the best system, but really the only system. And today, more and more people are questioning, what's happened over the last 100 years? Well, I think capitalism emerged as a accident. It emerged um, because of, for reasons that we, we shouldn't go into all this great detail, but emerged out of just by chance, mostly in England, 
in the out of the unusual conditions of English agriculture in the 16th uh, century. And but all economic systems emerge by accident yeah, of course, because of there's no economic god determining these systems. Of right? course. So capitalism proved to be extraordinarily productive. It's produced great wealth. We're living in societies that that are the most productive, the most happy, the most peaceful societies that, that humanity has ever seen. You're sounding like capitalist now. Well, I think Marx would, would say that too. If you look at Marx's writing about capitalism, it's full of appreciation for the tremendous productivity and the breaking down of all the divisions and cultural barriers and all these other things that capitalism has managed to do. Yet at the same time, it's a double-edged sword. Capitalism has created this great abundance, but it limits what we can do with this abundance. So we have uh, the concentration of extreme wealth right next to solvable human misery. So my argument as a socialist is twofold. One is a quite distributional question. Let's make sure that the wealth is distributed in a different way, wealth and power, so that people are able to reach their potential. So the core necessities of life, education, healthcare, housing, and so on, are guaranteed as rights and not held hostage to your ability to pay. You're sounding as, you're sounding as if you're describing Denmark or Sweden. Sure. So these things already, so these that, places already exist. That distributional question, which by the way, was accomplished by mass workers movements and unions and strikes. Even and in so the United on. States in, in the 30s. Right? We have Social Security and we have Medicare. Thank God we do, because imagine how many old people would be destitute and, and unable to survive if we didn't have that. But the other question, the more radical question, is the question of ownership and power. Now, I would say that markets are, in fact, necessary. In any functioning, productive society, we're going to need to figure out problems of price calculation. We're going to need to motivate each other to innovate, to work. The markets are great for these things. There are certain spheres of life, like healthcare, where I don't think there should be a market. There are certain spheres of life, like our national rail, where I think that that should be, in fact, a state-owned monopoly and should be run by investment and planning and so on. But there's other spheres where I'm fine with market competition. The question is, what should be the composition of these firms engaging in market competition? I advocate for worker-owned firms. So instead of just having a management that exists because they own shares or having a capitalist that exists because he made an initial investment so he gets to dictate the terms of employment, let's have a situation where workers collectively elect their management, decide things like paid gradation and whatnot. And instead of being paid a wage at the end of the, the week or month or whatnot, let them be paid dividends. If anything, that should make them more incentivized to work and should make them really feel like they have a vested interest in this society. So that's a socialist case. It's not just about spreading the wealth around in a social democratic way. It's also about saying, let's take the ownership away from capital. Let's democratize ownership. If you'd have been making this argument 15 or 20 years ago, don't take this personally, but you may have been laughed out of the room. Uh, today, you're not. What's changed? Well, I think if I made this argument 40 or 60 or 80 years ago or 100 years ago, I wouldn't have been laughed out of the room. So I think we should say what was exceptional about this period 20 years ago when unions were defeated, when there was a sense of capitalist triumphalism. But now we're seeing capitalism return to the norm. Crisis and inequality, that's the norm of capitalism. We had managed to chasten capitalism with strong unions and interventionist states. Now we're seeing it run wild again, and I think we need to get it back under control. And our core demands, our immediate demands, are four things of like universal health care. It's four things like free public college. It's four things that the majority of Americans support. If at that point, once we get this nice bedrock social democracy, Americans want to move in a more radical direction, then they'll be with me. 
Maybe they won't. But at the very least, I think the social democratic program is what we should aspire for in the next 10, 15, 20 years. So this social democracy, though, is compatible with capitalism, that there is no contradiction between uh, universal health care or some of the other things you're talking about and a, and a free market capitalist system. I would say there is a fundamental contradiction. And this contradiction is that this compromise that results in social democracy it, it is not sustainable because capitalists have the control of the levers. So for uh, levers of production. So for example, in the 50s and 60s, the Swedish capitalists can say, okay, we're fine, we can live with this. We're making steady growth, we're taxed and regulated more than our counterparts in France or England, but at least we don't have to deal with, with radical strikes and things like that, it's stable. We have our sectoral bargaining, it's working. But once our profitability starts to drop, and once workers cushioned by the welfare state, cushioned by strong unions, start to make militant wage demands that cut into their profitability, then capitalists will say, well, we're no longer going to invest. We're going to wait till the investment conditions change. We're going to wait till the government deregulates and creates a more favorable business environment. And we're going to refuse to invest. It's that blackmail that's rooted in the fact that capitalists own production and workers do not. So what I propose is we march to social democracy but then we find ways to take away this power to withhold investment from capital. And I think you do this through wage earner funds, through other forms of gradual socialization. I think that's how you go beyond social democracy into socialism. But that, of course, is purely theoretical. That might not be viable. That might be a pipe dream. But you can't tell me, like many libertarians will, that social democracy is a pipe dream. Because that worked, and I think it created more just and better societies than the one me and you live in today. Are you suggesting, then, that the future of capitalism that there may be two potential futures of capitalism. Either it will self-destruct through its own contradictions or it will be radically reformed, but there's no alternative. I think there is no alternative other than the alternative of false scarcity, the alternative of right populism. You're seeing it right now with the xenophobic attacks on immigrants and on other people who right now are actually creating abundance and prosperity in the countries they're moving to. But what happens when there's millions of climate refugees and in fact, the narratives of false scarcity start to ring true for more and more ordinary workers. I think that's a real danger. So I think there's a third outcome, which is a form of capitalism that's more authoritarian, that's riven with racial and ethnic divides. And I think we need to avoid that at all costs. And how does it feel that your time has come now? Well, I think that the socialist idea has been alive in the minds and hearts of people for hundreds of years. And we've been given a second chance and we need to take advantage of that second chance and deliver a form of prosperity, a form of socialism that's peaceful, democratic and anti-authoritarian. Go and do it.